The Apartment Rebellion will not be televised. Resident experience will be more than a buzzword. Staff experience will finally matter. It's happening right now. It's in the hands of the doers, the innovators, the boundary pushers, who are moving the industry forward, just like the people on this show. This is the Apartment Rebels podcast, hosted by Flamingo CEO Jude Chi. Welcome, friends of the rebellion, and may the force be with you. Uh, welcome to the latest episode of Flamingo's Apartment Rebels podcast. On today's uh, podcast, I am excited to introduce Dean Fongawing, the founder and CEO at Kairos Water. So a really cool company. And what they provide is water leak detection uh, through installing smart sensors. So leaks in the multifamily industry can be a really, really major pain for property managers, staff, and for residents. Even with a really small leak, like we are talking like a one-inch crack in a pipe can lead to almost 250 gallons of water leaking out. And at the worst, a major leak can destroy apartment infrastructure and displace your residence. And this can lead to thousands, if not millions of dollars in damage. So Dean's company provides a really, really cool technology that allows property owners to quickly detect any leaks. So uh, Dean, welcome. Hey, thank you for having me, uh, Jude. Yeah, so we were just talking about uh, your last name, Fungawing, and you were explaining how it all came to be. Can you kind of enlighten us? Because it is a very interesting um, reason and why the name is like that. Yeah, I am just the complete cultural mix. Um, I'm actually, I was born in Suriname. It's a small country north of Brazil, uh, former Dutch Guyana. So you have Venezuela, Guyana. Dutch Guyana or now Suriname, and then uh, you have French Guyana. So we're one of the four countries in South America that don't speak um, Spanish as the primary language. It's actually Dutch. So uh, my first name is American. My middle name is uh, Spanish and my last name is Chinese. Because um, I think it's just indicative of like the multicultural aspect of Suriname is like so many different um, mixes of races and backgrounds in Suriname. But uh, that's where I was born. And my grandfather was actually adopted um, by a Chinese merchant uh, family in Suriname. And so we actually don't, um, you know, uh, you know, to the best of our knowledge, we don't actually have any Chinese in our genes, but uh, we definitely got the name. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, and, uh, you know, my dad went to medical school in Holland. So a lot of our family lives in Europe. Um, but, uh, but we moved to the States in 1990. So I've uh, been, uh, that's a, uh, I'm another immigrant story to the U.S. for sure. Yeah, so not a successful immigrant story. <laughs> I, yeah, I guess. <laughs> and then you were saying that the name itself is a combination of your last name and your wife's last name. Is that correct? No. So like, so in those cultures, like, so the Fung family would have married the Wing family. Mm-hmm. And so it's Fungawing. Um, you see that a lot in like um, some of the Latin cultures that you see around the world. Um, where there's sort of a combination of the two two last names that got married. Uh, my wife is actually from St. Croix. She's from the Caribbean. And um, her last name is Fry, uh, F-R-E-Y. So. Cool. Well, a little bit of her uh, history and multicultural lesson. Yeah. Uh, I'm really excited to have you um, on the podcast. 
So we met at the NMHC annual meeting and had a really cool conversation with you, yeah. uh, learning more about how you got into the industry and what Kairos provides. Can you kind of give a little bit of insight for how your journey went from you moving to the U.S. to founding Kairos? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, like I said, we moved to the U.S. in 1990. Um Kind of grew up in a you know middle class family. My dad was a physical therapist. Um, uh, worked at several hospitals and and eventually ended up uh, becoming an entrepreneur himself and uh, you know kind of running his own medical clinic here in East Cobb, uh, uh, just kind of a suburb of of Atlanta. And um, you know my mom's um, been in executive assistant work for quite some time. But um, you know we just grew up here. I went to college here in in Atlanta. Um, or outside of Atlanta, I went to UGA, went to Kennesaw State. Um, and uh, after college, I went into the mortgage industry, actually, and uh, until the crash of 08, when things kind of went south and had a complete career change. Uh, this was in my early 20s, and uh, I went into a service industry. Um, I, a, a friend of mine, one of the last mortgages, actually, I closed was for a buddy of mine who owned an appliance service company. And um, what you know, what I saw was this financials and I was like, you know, this, this seems like a pretty resilient business. That's the service labor, skilled labor workforce, um, you know, could, could have sort of this, um, you know, sustaining power through economic downturns. And, and so in 2008, I completely changed careers, went into the service business and, and uh, fixing high-end laundry and kitchen appliances and built a service company over the last 10, 12 years. Um, with over 30,000 customers in the city of Atlanta. Um, we've got, you know, eight technicians and growing at double digits for the last five years. So it's been a lot of fun. Um, but out of that experience, I've personally been in about 14,000 homes and I've seen about 3,000 water damage cases. And so from that prior experience, I saw sort of this micro um, cosm of like what could be happening at the larger scale. And I think that's really what started my brain thinking like how, you know, I looked at solutions for my own customers because I saw the pain they went through kind of in the single family space, but also in the office space. I have customers that were in office, um, a commercial office, and they had ice machines, uh, you know, leaking down four or five floors and just destroying the office building. Right. Um, and so I, I just said, you know, how, how is it that there are no sort of adequate solutions to notify people? And like, you know, this was 2016, 2017. And um, if you looked at, you know, we already had iPhones, we already had an app for everything pretty much, um, you know, um, and so I just said, you know, we, I need to come up with something that could like notify residents and notify, um, you know, building owners and operators and, and in single family homes, you know, the owners there. So, um, you know, it was like every year, predictably, there would be a cold snap in the winter, pipes would, you know, pipes would freeze, home, you know, dishwasher valves would rupture and you know, there should be water everywhere. But I also realized it was a very complex problem. So, yeah. So is co uh, cold snaps the main cause of leaks or what are the typical causes of uh, leaks? I mean, in homes, a lot of times, like we, it, in most homes, a lot of times we'll see like water heaters. We'll see um, uh, we'll see refrigerators are often a big culprit. Um, dishwashers can uh, cause some pretty serious issues, but usually it's the washing machine and the refrigerator, those are kind of the two big pain points. A lot of times, and, and kind of in an opposite way, right? Like washer, you know, washer might fill with, 
you know, 15, 20 gallons of water if it's a top loader, you know, three to five gallons if it's a front loader. Um, and, and that's going to put a significant amount of water on the on the floor if a gasket tears, if a water valve goes bad, if, you know, um, you have some pretty, uh, uh, you know, a pipe jumps out of the back of the drain line and, um, in, in, you know, behind the washing machine ends up just dumping all the water on your floor. I've seen that happen. I've seen pressure valves go bad. I mean, it's just, I've seen so many different things mechanically fail on equipment, but refrigerators is kind of the opposite, right? You, you, you tend to have like a little pinhole leak in a quarter inch line, right? And every time the ice maker requests water, it's just spraying water behind the fridge, right? Wow. And that just soaks into the drywall and eventually you get this sort of mold situation happening behind the fridge. You pull out the fridge and you're like, oh my God, like everything's ripped up or, you know, uh, it's been, water's been dripping behind the fridge and ending up on the wood floors. And because there's heat generated by the compressor and heat generated underneath the fridge and there's air circulating because there's a condenser fan, it tends to dry that wood, but it's just like dropping water on the wood floor. The wood floor acts like a sponge. Then the, then the fan kicks on, you know, with the compressor warms that up, but it's like just slowly rotting. It's like, we call it death by a thousand drops. Right. So just, wow. So from like a typical water leak, what's the average cost, uh, either for a homeowner or for a per unit cost for a multifamily? Yeah. Yeah. No, if you see like, so the average damage, I mean, this is pretty widely known statistic for homes. It's, uh, it's about $9,000 for an average insurance claim. Um, in multifamily, it can be less, but it just depends, right? Is it, if it's a garden style community and it's like on the first floor, you know, you may only be looking at a couple thousand dollars worth of damage. If it's on a second or third floor, you could easily be dealing with anywhere between eight to $10,000 um, or more if you're also combining the fact that it's not a single family home, which is not a business. But if you look at a business, you've got residents. And now you've got to displace those residents and get them up in hotel rooms or put them in other units. And then you're not charging them rent. So you have the rent loss. So it is a, it's a, it's a compounded issue in multifamily. And because a lot of, you know, almost all multifamily uses domestic appliances uh, that you would find in any single family home. Uh, the statistic is typically one out of every 12 units is going to have some kind of water event within a year. So you can look at, yeah, I mean, it's one in 12. And, and that's just a statistic from the insurance industry on single family homes. If you look at an apartment, it is a fully, you know, fledged home. I mean, it's got its own, you know, a lot of times it has its own water heater, has its own dishwasher, its own refrigerator, its own dish, you know, uh, washing machine. And so you see a lot of redundancy. And a lot of times because they buy these bulk packages, if there's something that goes wrong with a washer or dishwasher in one unit, you can imagine what happens, you know, um, you know, when it fails, like it's, it's a matter of, I, we call it like popcorn, right? It's like across the neighborhood, you're just going to start seeing things happen over time. And, you know, they've just baked it into their business models to just deal with it on the R&M uh, line item. And a lot of this just goes in the cost of doing business, but it doesn't have to be that way, right? Like, um, it, it's so, pretty expensive. So right now, if it's such an, if it's such a big issue, how do like single family owners and multi-family owners currently manage the problem or deal with it outside of just having insurance? Yes. Well, it's funny that you say that, right? Because it's like, that's the attitude. The prevailing attitude is just like, you know, I've got insurance. That's what it's for when it comes to single family homes, right? Um, 
because if you look at the the average premium in this country being somewhere around 1500 bucks a year and there's no such thing as like a contract like you can switch insurance companies at any time the insurance companies have been very slow to fully subsidize or pay for the technology needed to avert this risk right like we talked to one of the top insurance companies in this country and you know they're booking seven billion dollars in premiums a year and they're like we're losing 16 cents on every dollar like that is hundreds of millions i mean they're losing so much money and they're but the thing is if the solution right so they could take a thousand dollar premium if if the problem is 160 dollars right per home right they're not going to spend four or five hundred bucks installing one you know one-time setup for a home to blanket it with coverage, whether it's leak sensors or water meters or shut off valves, right? They're not going to do that because that re- that that owner, that homeowner, can just cancel that policy and move on to the next insurance company and say, "Thank you for the tech, we're out." <laughs> yeah. So they, they, the business model hasn't really worked out in the in the consumer space that well. Um, but if you look at multifamily, you've got a different dynamic at play, right? You've got companies that can just make unbelievable amounts of money without having to solve this problem, mm-hmm. right? There's no, there's no thumbing down on them because they're just like, our cap rates are awesome. And, yeah. you know, <laughs> NOI is good. Like, we don't want to, you know, like, we're just going to deal with this, right? Um, and uh, and it depends on too, like, is the property long-term hold, is it short-term hold? Mm-hmm. Like, you you got to look at like, who, what are the incentive structures, right? Is the property management in place that's like handling it? Um, on behalf of the owners or is it the owner operators that are just running the whole show? Like it, it just depends. I mean, we've seen, you know, many of the top 20 owners, um, you know, you go to them and you ask them like, how much are you spending on water damage? And you get a big shoulder shrug. Like <laughs> I have no idea. I'm like, how, <laughs> yeah. how do you not know? <laughs> right. It's because it's just rolled into what I call like a budget iceberg. It's like, you know, we do historical based budgeting and this year, mm-hmm. you know, last year we spent, X amount on on plumbing, right? And then so we're just going to increase that 10% and like that'll be next year's budget. It was like the snowball just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And it's like, what's underneath that? Let's peel yeah. the layer of the onion and figure out like what is actually costing you, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it sounds like in the majority of situations, there really isn't much that's looked at for prevention. It's just accepted like, hey, water leaks are going to happen. Therefore, we just have to uh, plan for that. Yeah, but their companies or things that actually drive detection or prevention outside of what you guys offer, where it's less tech and more just like, hey, we want to prevent water leaks. So we do these things to decrease the chance of a water leak. Yeah. I mean, so they'll do, you know, I mean, your, your regular PMs are important, right? But not everybody, you know, not all uh, maintenance and service teams are created equal and uh, certainly don't operate equally, right? Um, uh, from a skill level standpoint, it's a high turnover industry. Um, you know, if X, you know, X apartment community is offering $12 an hour, I may go over here for, you know, uh, $13 an hour. Or, you know, it's, it's just, you see a lot of turnover, so you never... Um, fully get the competency that you need to understand that particular community's needs, right? So like you'll, you'll operate in one community and the plumbing infrastructure is this way. You go to another community and it's like completely different, right? The age of the water heaters in one community is X. You go to another community and it's Y, right? Or they have some weird setup where over the years, they've just been kind of mashing things together. And so then you have these nuances to the property that only the guys that have been there 
and have seniority really understand the problems in a very intimate way. And I always think, you know, there's always this like disconnect where, you know, for too long in multifamily, you've got this, um, you've got the separation between what happens in the boardroom and what happens in the boiler room, right? Or like, or just really just the grounds team and the problem they see. And then, you know, they're grunting and complaining that like management doesn't want to give them any money to fix it. And then like, you know, vice versa, management's complaining because they're like, these guys can't get the crap together, right? <laughs> it's like, uh, guys, there's, there's a way to do this, you know, and uh, a lot of that um, can be solved with technology. But, uh, but yeah, it, I think just preventive maintenance is a key, key thing. I mean, you go to some properties and the guys like totally have it buttoned down. Like if something happens, they like immediately react. Um, they take care of things. And you can see that in the reviews of the community. Uh, oftentimes, yeah. like when things go wrong, at a community, uh, you know, I think the speed at which you react to those those issues really speaks volumes to the residents and like their chances of renewing and the you know how you handle these problems because you can't prevent all water leaks, um, but you can prevent about ninety percent of them from destroying the property and really damaging or displacing a resident. Yeah, and then I think what's interesting too is even if a property has like that built-in insurance or built-in plan for water mm-hmm. leaks. It is still very disruptive when it happens to the residents, like extremely disruptive. Like imagine not being able to be in your home, and yeah. not because of something that happens specifically in the apartment, but it's from the apartment like upstairs and yeah. that's impacting tens of residents who now have to basically leave the apartment. Like that yeah. is something extremely damaging to them, yep. um, how they view the property. So then for how does your technology work? Yeah, so um, our technology is, so we have, um, back in 2017, when I started the business, I actually came out with a proof of concept in my garage, my kitchen, however, you know, how every other technology startup starts, Um, and uh, just kind of clues together a proof of concept. I met a brilliant engineer uh, who ended up being my co-founder, Seth Taylor. The two of us worked together. We got the patent put together. But uh, essentially, what what we have is a flexible printed circuit, right? I, I'm happy to grab one for you so you can see it, but um, but it's it's essentially a printed conductive material, and it can be fashioned or shaped for any size uh, app and, and for a specific application. So we have like printed membranes um, that can detect water within a few drops, um, and and now we have a, a membrane that is being released in the second quarter that actually can tell you not only that you have a leak, but it can tell you how bad it actually is. It can tell you, is it just a little bit of water or it's growing, it's getting worse or it's a lot of water. So that gives you context so that you can respond accordingly, right? Because if, if in the afternoon you see that the leak has hit the membrane and um, you know, it's, it's just in zone one, right? You're like, okay, there's water on the floor, but it may be like, you know, a small drip. We got to go take care of it. But if it goes from zone one to zone two, zone three, zone four, now you've got a different problem on your hand, right? Um, and so it, it, it kind of warrants a different level of response from the site. Mm-hmm. Team. So that is how the actual um, membrane technology works. It detects water. It has a little module that's, that's about this big that's connected, mm-hmm. to, that's connected to a membrane of different sizes. And then it's the membrane itself, just like a small electronic device or what exactly is the membrane? We actually have like, so this is like one for a washing machine. As you can see, this is a 20 by 20 
This goes wow. underneath the washing machine. This is a printed flexible material. It's very thin, um, you know, as you can see. But that one is designed specifically for washing machines, right? So it connects to this module. And this module has a 10-year battery, and it can send a signal up to two miles in line of sight on a 10-year battery. So wire, completely wireless, low-power technology using LoRaWAN. We're one of the... Um, for those listening on the podcast, the membrane itself looks like a flexible piece, a flexible transparent like piece of glass. Yeah. So what is the membrane itself made of and what's on it? I saw a few yeah. uh, like lines and what is that? Yeah. So essentially what you have is you have dual, you have a, you have a, 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 a PET plastic. It's a material that's thin, but very durable. It's got a melting point of 250 degrees. And, um, and so you've got, conductive tracks like uh just like a circuit board would have but it's printed on a flexible substrate right and because it's printed on a material we can cut it we can shape it we can also print different sizes for very unique problems that a, a site may have right and so um that's carbon conductive ink uh, we also have a, a a version that has silver in it and so it's, it's a highly conductive material very resilient and it's discreet so you can place this in a wall you can place it you know you can bury it i mean we've had customers like that put it <laughs> in metal boxes and it still gets the signal out right um and just very hard to reach places because i mean it's easy to attack you know water problems where you can like easily see it and you're like oh the, the water's coming out in front of the dishwasher i need to call maintenance right but what's really bad is when the line behind the fridge ruptures and you don't know because it's just spraying into the drywall and the drywall soaking it up like a sponge. And then all of a sudden you've got mold because you got warm, you've got, um, you know, you've got humidity and then you just have the perfect recipe to have mold. And uh, that's a different problem altogether. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a unique material. We do have the patent on it um, in the U S and UK and EU. So um we are the first company in the world uh, that has a patent on on this type of technology, specifically designed to detect water um, in commercial and residential buildings. So, so for like a 300 unit building, where would you typically install the membranes? Is it just like yeah. across every floor on every wall or how does that work yeah. so that you yeah. are able to detect leaks in the most common areas and not so common areas? Yeah, so most communities will start with a um a leak sensor in their high you know their highest risk areas and those are going to be your water heater and your air conditioning system believe it or not an air conditioning system you know is not a plumbed source but it in most cases it's not a plumbed source um and uh but it pulls a tremendous amount of moisture out of the air and that moisture has to be collected in what's called a condensate pan and that condensate pan then expels the water out of the property either through a pump or through a gravity fed drain. And that air that runs across a coil, as you, if you can imagine air conditioning in the summertime, that coil set is very, very cold, right? So think of it like condensation on the side of a Coke can. Um, that's a lot of moisture that will end up there. And, um, and if that pan, if that drain pan doesn't drain properly, or if the pump were to fail, while the air conditioning is running, that pan is just overflowing. And it's putting water behind the air filter um, in, in the air conditioning system. And it's usually putting it in a very dark, cold, damp space. And so that's, you know, the resident turns their air conditioning system off in the summertime. That 
condensate pan turns into a petri dish. Then they turn the air conditioning back on and they just blow mold everywhere throughout the apartment. And it is a disaster to deal with because we have seen this firsthand in Florida. It's probably one of the worst uh, markets for this. It's a dirty little secret there um, that all these apartments are dealing with this problem. It's, It's a real, real issue. And because it tends to fall outside of traditional insurance coverage, it's considered hazard insurance, mm-hmm. right? or, and, it's, and that can be incredibly expensive. So most operators don't even have this, so they just deal with it. They just have to, they have to move the resident out, they have to you know, do mold remediation, and it could easily cost between you know, $5,000 and $20,000 to deal with a mold case. Wow. It's very, very expensive. We very expensive. Customer, one customer had nine mold claims in the prior year. Uh, I think it was 2019. And then we put in our sensors in only one seventh of the community. We put in a hundred apartments. They had 700 apartments in the community. We put these temperature humidity sensors and water leak sensors. And, uh, and we could see in real time when the apartment was in a condition that would cause mold to build up. And so we would notify the maintenance teams and to go fix the AC or they would like, you know, uh, uh, they would oftentimes like, go in there and change the filter if there was not any moisture removal because the filter was clogged. Um, and they went from nine claims to zero claims. We saved them $200,000 in like less than 12 months. So is that typical for your customers? You mentioned that for the majority of apartments, there is about a one in 12 chance for leak every year. Every year, easy. And, it, and it's not necessarily an $8,000 or $9,000 leak, but it is a leak. And it could be something as simple as like a sink faucet is dripping down into the cabinet and it's just kind of rotting the cabinet out and the guys have to go in there and, you know, rip it up and put a new cabinet plywood down or they, or or it could be a dishwasher hose is leaking and it's just a small leak and the resident complains and they go deal with it. Right. But it is typically one in 12 will have uh, some kind of water event. I mean, and we see this, like a lot of times the management will be like, no way we don't have that kind of problem. And then we go talk to the site team. And the site team's like, I'm like, how often do you guys have a leak? I'm like, you guys have 24 leaks a year, you know? And they're like, no. Oh, wait, they're, they're like, I'm like, what do you, how many do you have a week? Usually like one or two. I'm like, okay, so <laughs> I was right. You know, it's like, oh, it's, it's like going to confessional sometimes, right? Like you talk to these people and it's like, they don't want to admit that they're, you know, because it doesn't reflect necessarily that they're doing a bad job. It's just the nature of the business, right? If you've got a 1980s property, 1990s property, like it's just a part of the the operations of the site that you're going to have to like play whack-a-mole with all these leaks, right? It's like, you know, one crops up, you got to crush it, knock it down, deal with it, move on to the next one, right? Whether it's replacing the water heater or, you know, fixing the air conditioning system and having to replace, you know, but you want to try to extend those capital expenses as much as you can uh, and, and defer maintenance when you can. But it can also be a really bad strategy if you don't have any kind of augmented, um, you know, uh, technology, you know, it's kind of technology to augment your visibility into these issues, right? Right now, the model is I'm going to react to it when the resident complains. Well, that's not necessarily the best experience, right, for the resident, right? You want to you want to see it and then call the resident and say, hey, we want to come check on your air conditioning because we think there's something going on. And the resident doesn't even experience the disruption of, my AC is out and it's like 80% humidity in my apartment. It's 90 degrees. I'm like sweating bullets in in the middle of summer in in, in Florida. Right. But like we can see that in real time and we can send the notifications, uh, custom notifications at any time to say like your AC is, you know, it's not operating properly or your, 
you know, you've got a leak underneath uh, your, by your water heater. Like most of the time people see a water heater and it's got 40, 50 gallons in it and it just blows up and they just see the aftermath. Yeah. The most problems, they start slowly and then they go to suddenly, right? But and, I really love what you said about how this really leads to especially the best resident experience, which is right. you are proactively letting them know like, hey, we detected this, we are going to fix it like right away. It's not the yeah. resident reaching out to say, I have a leak. It's the property really being extremely proactive and finding yes. the issue before the resident even notices it. Yeah. And that's what we've seen. And we've actually seen like, so if you look at like a lot of times people look at these technologies to go, well, they're really expensive and we don't want to increase operating expenses. But like there is, you know, when you look at ROI, part of the calculation is what is our risk of ignoring it, right? Like, you know, um, and I got this from Mandy Whedon. Um, she says, you know, the risk of ignoring uh, stands for ROI, right? And, 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 and if you don't deal with it, what happens? So I, I can tell you this one real, real quick story. We had this customer, they had our sensors in place. We had one underneath the air conditioning system. And like one of the things that happens when you go from having zero visibility to having visibility because you put, you know, you put a thousand sensors in a community is you start to see things you've never seen before, right? <laughs> it's like, it's like putting on x-ray goggles and like, oh, wow, there's a leak there and there's a leak there. And there's a, and it's like in the first two, three weeks, we're seeing all these leaks, right? And they're going, well, these are little leaks. So I'm like, well, what happens when you ignore it? Right. So we had one customer and we put a leak sensor in place and they had literally 59 leak alerts within wow. a 30 day period. Like it, it, people got emailed, people got text message, you know, and the the maintenance guy, I guess they just were like, oh, it's a small leak. It's not a big deal. Well, it was a small water drop consistently landing on a subfloor. Right. Mm -hmm. And when the air conditioning runs, it blows air. So it dries it up and then it then it drips again and then it gets wet and it dries up, you know, well, they ignored it. And after about 30 days, there was mold everywhere. They had to get the resident oh. and they, and you, and you said, well, what, they sent me a message. Well, what happened with your leak sensor? I'm like, well, I have the receipts. So I pulled it. <laughs> like, these people are emailed, these people are <laughs> you know, and I mean, it sucks, but you know, there was mold everywhere. Like, you know, mm -hmm. and it's like, you don't ignore these little things because they just come back to bite you, right? Uh, and and so once you get everything stabilized in the community, you've gotten on top of all the maintenance issues, you've wrapped all the condensate pipes with insulation so that the moisture doesn't build up um, and, and the pipes aren't sweating, right? Um, you tackle all those little issues and then suddenly you, you're like, okay, things are stabilized. Like yeah. now when something happens, it must be a real deal, right? Yeah. Um, or a water heater. It's like a water heater will typically have a small crack and will start leaking and no one notices until that crack turns into a rupture and then you have 50 mm -hmm. gallons everywhere. Well, we detect the water within a few drops. We had one customer that had like, I think they had like five or six water heater leaks Um no, no, no. Let me, I'm, I'm going to correct this. They had 12 water heater leaks the mm -hmm. year before. Within the first 60 days, we caught five water heater leaks. Zero damage. Wow. Right? If those water leaks from those water heaters had gone unchecked, they would have easily had twenty dollars to $30,000 worth of damage. Easy. So that's crazy ROI. It's, so it's crazy. Your primary customer base, new construction, or is it retrofits? 
And if it's a new construction, is it much easier to do the installations or what is like the process to get the sectors uh, where they need to be? That's a great question, Jude. I mean, I think, you know, when you look at a property, you always start with the problem, right? I always say, if there's no problem, there's no sale. There's no point of Kairos coming in, right? (laughs) Um, But when you, when you look at um, a property specifically, most of the existing stock, you know, depending on the age of it, right? You, you're going to have issues. And so you're almost always dealing with a retrofit situation when it comes to leak detection. Um, But we've seen brand new properties. Like last week I was in LA, we put in 1500 sensors in a class A building Uh, as 40 stories tall. The rents are outrageous, right? Um, You you know, uh, it's a new building, but within the first few years of that building, like they had like $1 million water damage claim from a small drip from a washing machine small drip drip for three months during COVID, right? The first year of COVID. And, and they didn't find out until the water ended up coming through the lobby. So you can only imagine like how, how devastating that is to the displacement of residents that are paying absorbent, you know, rent um, and, 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 and seeing that kind of damage. Right. Um, so, yeah, so that's, so we, we can do retrofits. Most of what we do for leak detection is retrofit. We also have a water meter. Like we have the only water meter that's completely wireless and cordless that has a built-in shutoff valve with pressure, temperature, and flow, uh, all in one true utility-grade water meter. Um, and that product is also being released next quarter, which I'm super excited about. Um, we are finally going to mass production, which is incredible because so many customers have been waiting for that product because now when you have a leak, you have auto shutoff valve for, for, uh, for that particular apartment unit and you can control the damage. Um, but, uh, you know, no, I that- love that extension of the product because it not only goes from, uh, proactive detection, but also being able to instantly at yep. least not solve the problem fully, but at least limit the amount of damage that can That's correct. happen. That's correct. There's actually like an exponential scale that happens when you look at the amount of damage and the cost of that associated damage, uh, as time goes on. So, you know, the name Kairos, you know, means the opportune moment for action, right? That is, it's a Greek word. It means the perfect timing, the perfect moment, right? And when you look at it, like we are technology designed to react in moments when seconds matter, right? Like that is our motto, right? And, and so when you look at a property and you've got a pinhole leak, like as time goes on, it gets like ridiculously expensive. So the name of the game is speed, right? Get to it as fast as you can, limit your exposure, get your maintenance and site team on it instantly so that you can keep the cost at bay. Because I think ultimately when you look at the resiliency of a, of, of a, uh, uh, of a building or, or an asset, part of it is, you know, if we have proper risk management, now we can extend the economic life of this property, but also the physical life of the property. Right. Um, because if you look at, and I hate to use this example, but if you look at like, what happened in Florida with that building that collapsed, like that was people ignoring things that for years were pointed out. And a lot of it had to do with water. It was just sitting water in the foundation, just soaking it up, causing issues. Right. And, and so you just don't why do you think that happens and what resistance do you get when you approach uh, property managers or property owners about um, preventive like water leak solutions like yours? Well, I mean, I think it's always a balance between like, you know, like sometimes and we're seeing the ROI very clearly, like most of our customers are experienced and we don't 
tend to advertise is we tell most customers it takes, you know, the ROI is 12 months, right? <laughs> it's actually much faster than that. We just don't want to say that, but we usually see most, most of the early customers we got last year um, were under six months to pay for the entire system. Right. Um, and so I think this, the, the, the thing is the industry has a massive problem. And like, I, like you said, like we said earlier, it's like they can keep making money even if they have this problem that they just live with. Right. Um, and, uh, and so when we go to speak with customers, sometimes it's just the, it depends on where they are um, from a budget cycle standpoint. It depends on, you know, are they getting ready to dump this asset or, you know, do they really realize that they have the problem or not? Right. Um, some, sometimes you're dealing with problem blindness. Sometimes you're dealing with, you know, you know, we've been doing this, this the same way forever and it's not a, not a big deal. Like, or I don't want to lift the hood because then I have to see what's there. <laughs> I don't really see it. You know, I mean, you see all kinds of things or like some customers, like I don't want to deal with operate, you know, increasing any operating expense because maybe their incentive is keeping operating expenses at bay. But I'm like, there's an operating expense there that it yeah. shouldn't be there. But if, if I don't bring attention to it, then it's just like business as usual. Right. So it's death by, you know, a thousand shrugs sometimes, yeah. uh, you know, we just keep doing it. This way. <laughs> yeah. and, and it does. I mean, I think what you're going to see is that properties that are more proactive, you know, because maintenance has for so long been ignored, but you've got this massive labor problem. We were at NMHC, number one problem, labor, right? It's like skilled labor, maintenance, like, you know, that's what keeps your property going. Um, and so I think it's, it's interesting because so many of these types of issues always come back to like the labor challenge because there is so much that goes into property operations. So it's yep. a very challenging industry for everyone involved. And that's why I really love solutions like these because it helps like lighten the load. If you can prevent that water leak, that's like less things for your maintenance to do when if the damage just keeps increasing, it becomes yep. a lot more, not just for the team, but also for the yep. owner as well too. So absolutely love these types of solutions. Yeah. Yeah. When you, when you look at like, uh, actually, when you look at vertical, like kind of vertical living situations where you have like multi-story, you know, five to, you know, whatever, in some, some cases in New York, you have <laughs> 70 story buildings, right? Like these tall mega, you know, mega skyscrapers in New York city, half of them are like unoccupied, like half the buildings unoccupied. Well, they still have the plumbing infrastructure there. What happens if something leaks in a building like that? And you don't know it. A lot of those early buildings are dealing with lawsuits because of flooding and damage, right? Because a, a plumber has to install thousands of dishwashers in the building, right? Or hundreds of it, like they're going to make a mistake. And, but if you don't see it, then it just goes unmitigated in a brand new, you know, billion dollar building. Right. So I just uh, the, the the water damage in 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 uh, multi-story buildings is five times higher per incident than in multifamily. Wow, that's like garden style residential. <laughs> five times bigger. So your average claim is between seventy and two hundred fifty thousand dollars. Like easy. Wow, <laughs> it's very painful. And the thing that's is, it costs the same. Problem. It costs the same for a building as it does for a garden style building mm. but their problem is five times higher so their roi is even greater so they yeah. should if, if you own a multi-story building 
Like, this is one of those like no-brainer things to have. And what I love about this solution in particular too is that it is like very simple. I know the, the yeah. technology itself isn't simple, but the solution itself is like simple for mm-hmm. an owner to really like implement. Oh, so yeah. I really appreciate you being on the podcast. I think this yeah. was really incredible. And I think uh, this is, again, one of those like no-brainer solutions for uh, the apartment industry. So thank you for being yeah. on our podcast. Yeah, happy to help anyone who needs help. And uh, yeah, dude, let's keep moving the, the, the needle forward. And I, I do see the future uh, being one where, you know, we stay on top of these issues and residents overall just have a much better experience and, you know, applications like like yours uh, uh, certainly help facilitate that that process. So, perfect. Thank you for being on. Yeah, thank you, dude. Appreciate it.